Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have personally reached out and let us know how great their experience was and have thanked us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners, so please tell us about your experience if you made the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood and they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, as well as extreme Colorado sports fans just like us. So head on over to Green Mountain Dental Group today and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam to get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. NBR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ with special guest today, Scott Masters in the building. Talk a little bit of Avalanche, I'm sure, but also to talk about all your work with LaCroix Hockey. How you doing, Scott? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, exciting times coming up as uh, Avs Dev Camp is right around the corner, so we'll be doing that as well but you know you know dev camp and and hockey is actually here when i spend the entire morning on the phone with pr trying to get schedule details <laughs> and media yep. information and what's the plan after a month so, of nothing we actually have to work again so yep so it's <laughs> it's it's right around the corner this is our last week of freedom yep that's uh it's that time of year but i'm excited for it i'm ready uh Got some exciting stuff planned coming up. Probably, maybe not. Well, obviously, we'll have dev camp stuff, and then and then the rookie tournament. But should be good stuff. AJ, I think you probably know a little bit more about Lacroix hockey than I do. So if you want to dive into this with Scott, have at it. Well, I mean, uh, really, I'll just turn the floor over to to Scott to to let him talk about exactly what Lacroix hockey is and the goal and the vision and uh, how it came to be. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, it's it relatively really new. Um, we just came about, Eric and I have obviously, Eric LaCroix and I have, have worked together in our time with the Avalanche, and I had the privilege to work with Pierre at that time and, and learn from the great Pierre LaCroix. And over time, we, we both went our separate ways, and I went with Montreal, and, and Eric did some, some work in Vegas and uh, then became a scout in management with the Calgary Flames. So we've always been in contact and talking about what we can do in the future and uh, the passing of Pierre uh, just recently probably fueled his fire a little bit more uh, to continue the legacy of what Pierre really did over the course of his career as an agent, as a general manager. Um, And so we got together and he, we decided to start this advising and management company uh, very similar to um, what 
uh, Pierre did years and years ago. Uh, we want to make a difference. We're both, I'm born and raised in Denver. I love Denver sports. I love what DNVR is doing and I love the Broncos Nuggets. Uh, maybe the Avalanche a little bit more than I, a little bit ago but than I do today. But uh, I used to watch every Rockies game. I, I've served lemonade at the Rockies. So I love Denver sports altogether. Um, so giving back to hockey in that way and locally, I grew up in Arvada playing in Arvada Hockey Association and um, playing at Colorado State, just the club team over, over the time. And Looks like and, we lost Joe. You're back. Okay. We're good. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, and advise kids on all levels uh, from young age to uh, 14, 15, 16, uh, as they develop into what their hockey careers are, uh, division one, division two, uh, junior leagues. Uh, and then we're going to position ourselves to manage pro hockey players. We have a great experience with that. I don't know if we're there right now. Um, meaning we're, we're going to take it slow and we're going to do it right. Uh, and that's treating kids from on ice to off ice, mental health, nutrition, strength and conditioning. And, uh, we have a lot of th great things planned for family sports where the Avalanche are. Uh, we're going to take over some space there and uh, make our presence felt. So what's uh, I guess let's we'll just stay right there. What's the plan with with family sports because that's where they practice and that's always been kind of a, a running joke on our show about Lollipop Park. But uh, <laughs> the the carnival yeah. equipment's gone. So what's uh, what's the plan there? Yeah, I don't want to speak a little bit out of turn before uh, some some dots are dotted and some some T's crossed. But uh, the space of Lollipop Park is is going to be changed, uh, hopefully, into uh, Hockey Performance Center. Uh, and there's a lot of local um, ex Avalanche uh, that are going to be a part of it. Um, it's just not just Lacroix hockey, but a lot of great leaders in the sport are going to be a part of it, and we hope to. Uh, make it a, an environment where uh, kids can excel in sports and 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 become a better person and become a better athlete overall. So we're looking at uh, a lot of fitness equipment, um, some mental health stuff. Some we're going to do some a lot of video work with kids. Uh, there's just going to be a, a, a well-rounded uh, facility uh, for kids from young to old. Sounds a lot better than an amusement park to me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? And we're not really affiliate. We're not affiliated with Avalanche at all. It just happens to be that this facility is big enough to hold. Uh, obviously, the Avalanche are comfortable there. They uh, are, will be there for a little bit, and we want to be close to the Avalanche, of course. Uh, they're they're a great organization, a lot of great athletes, um, and so we hope to uh, maybe grab them one one or two at a time throughout the year and. Uh, use the fact that they are local and the kids love the avalanche, right? And would love to see them in local hockey. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a great place too. There's plenty of leagues and, and events that go on at Family Sports Center, all obviously with both the rinks there. So uh, I'm sure that'll work out great. I just want to say, I love the the logo for Lacroix hockey. The the C with the Florida Lee in it is, mwah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We want to do obviously pay. Uh, tribute to both Colorado and uh, the, the Quebec province. Uh, so, and that's obviously strong in the Lacroix family, uh, being French Canadian and, and Pierre's background. Uh, so we just thought it was fitting. We're not really a part of Colorado Avalanche. We're not a part of Quebec, uh, Nordiques or anything about it, but we wanted to uh, definitely add those two aspects and I appreciate you recognizing it. <laughs> I mean, I know where you came from, or right? Or you're able to say it at Florida East, or, you know, you probably say it better than I. Oh, no. <laughs> I think my French is maybe the worst in the state, so don't take a, don't take any cues on that from me. But <laughs> Yeah, my best my best French is usually an F word, so. Well, there uh, you I go. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, that's you're speaking my language now. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> so... so What's uh what what would what would you say your like what's what's immediate for you guys? Is it is it getting FSC up and running and uh you know the performance center and then starting to get to, to work with the kids? Is that is that your immediate goal? Yeah, I think just getting the word out for one, um, and knowing people that we're here and this is what we're doing, um, and attracting 
some players to, to get in there. Obviously, we have a little bit of road ahead to uh, physically as far as getting things in, in shape at, you know, the Lollipop Park. We should probably stop saying that uh, to make us look more professional. But uh, we got a ways for that. But we're able to advise kids. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to be a little bit different. There's a lot of advisors out there. Um, and But we're going to get in rinks. Eric and I both are, have strong scouting backgrounds and uh, we both have kids in, that play youth hockey. Uh, and what we're going to offer is that Eric and I are going to go watch kids. Uh, we want to be in rinks. We want to be, we want to watch kids uh, play at the score level. We want to watch them grow from squirt to peewee to bantam, all those things. Uh, and then that's what we're going to do. We're just going to get out, get rinks and start seeing kids and advise them on what we think, how they position themselves in today's hockey and what their future holds. Uh, so that's our next step is just be out in the present and in, in, in rinks and talk to people and, and try to advise some kids. When you're talking about kids in a place like Colorado, is there a way to bridge the gap a little bit? Because there is high school hockey here in Colorado, obviously, but it's not to the level of, say, Canadian juniors or even like the USHL around the country. They don't really have that premier junior team. So is is that something you guys have thought about? and helping kids with yeah i think i think what we want to do is is bridge the gap between what their current coaches uh say and and what some other programs do tell them too is we we're taking an honest approach uh and we want to tell them the truth um and high school hockey in colorado is not great it's never been great since eh, heck it, it wasn't uh it wasn't really present when i was in high school um so we know that it's it's part of the the level of or meaning try to, the evaluation process that we're going to tell kids say hey this is high school hockey or say other u18 programs in colorado i don't want to really mention names right now just because i don't want to sure, sure. make one but there's some great great hockey programs right now in colorado under u18s and u16s under 16 years old and they're recruiting a lot of great kids i mean when i say great i mean potential first round draft picks and Colorado has slowly produced great hockey players and they're doing more and more of that. Um, and we're going to be able to advise those kids. Um, and unfortunately probably the, the U18 and the U16 programs are better than a little bit high school hockey right now, but that's kind of normal too. We're looking at Boston. Boston has better prep schools and better junior leagues than they do high school leagues. So it's not just, Colorado, um, but Colorado is getting better and has grown over the last 20 years. Yeah, it, it's certainly one of those weird things because they do have great college programs. At After that, you get into DU, CC, maybe not quite where it was a while ago, but still a very good hockey program. So yep. just a weird kind of gap that Colorado is looking to close there, I guess. Yeah, and I think they've closed it pretty quickly. I mean, we're, the kids that I've heard about, uh, you know, coming to Colorado and playing for these these programs is, is pretty impressive, um, and they should be proud of it. State of Colorado should be proud. Uh, you know, hockey fans around should be proud of what the Avalanche have done over the last 20, 25 years to build this program and build the sport. So... Is this is this going to be your full time focus moving forward? Is you yeah. and Eric doing working on this yeah, project? We uh, we both have committed one hundred percent to this. Uh, we're not looking to uh, be a part of any organization right now. Um, so this is our full thing, and we're ready to go. And it's not going to be a small thing. It's going to be a huge thing. Uh, we're going to be uh, a little bit of everywhere. Uh, try to do some adult hockey leagues, um, camps things like that there's a lot of uh exciting parts to lacroix hockey to make the sport better in denver and, and all of the colorado state all right uh, I, obviously you mentioned both you and eric have have some ties to the avalanche and the nhl as a whole what advantages to, does having that type of experience bring to to being a, a manager i guess is that the right word to call what you guys are doing uh advisor advisor um, is, okay is what we like and, and management gets to the more pro levels but uh advising is just knowing what the options are for kids um and knowing their best route and what camps are best and maybe the junior route is better than college we know for instance um kids that go two years to junior hockey before they go 
play college. That's that means that at age 18, they're going junior route, uh, another four years of college. That's six years before they turn pro. Uh, it may be a better option for them. Um, we have the experience with the junior levels. We have experience with NCAA. I worked at University of Denver with the great George Gwazdecki. I've been a college free agent scout with the Montreal Canadiens. I know how that process works. Uh, same with Eric. Um, huge amount of experience as far as knowing what the best route for kids is. It's just, kids are in prep school now. He's well established in, in thinking of what's best for his own kid. And my kid's 10 and I'm trying to figure out what the best program for him is, right? Um, and he's not as good as some of these other 10 year olds. So maybe uh, one association is better than another. One coach is better than another. And that's kind of us being around the rink and us being around a lot of people and a lot of connections are gonna give us um, a great deal of knowledge to pass that along to parents and kids. All right. On that note, we do need to let you all know we're brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. You can get it down at the bar on tap, of course. You can also find it at a local liquor store near you. Keep an eye out for their good company, Hard Seltzers. Absolutely delicious, but they move fast. So use their Breck Beer Locator online to find it and get it while you can. And then hit up Strava Craft Coffee. The CBD-infused coffee is great for aches and pains like migraines, joint pain, a bunch of other stuff as well. You can get 25% off your first purchase there when you use code DNVR25. Then if you sign up for their subscription service, you get 20% off indefinitely. So be sure to jump on that opportunity. If you got some extra money laying around, you know, maybe throw it our way. Give us a little bit of support. Sign up for an annual DNVR membership. Obviously, it gets you access to all of our amazing content, but you also get things like a DNVR shirt, access to the DNVR lounge on Discord. You get a bunch of other stuff as well, big beers at the bar. So be sure to check us out. Give us a little bit of support if you want to do the one-month trial as well. I think that we have an offer going on right now that the first month is like 50 cents or something if you just want to see what's uh, what's behind the curtain with us. So check us out. Support us. Appreciate it. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast here with Scott Masters talking a little bit of Lacroix hockey, getting into some of the the advising and management side of hockey as a whole, well beyond just the NHL. Uh, this is an Avalanche podcast at the end of the day, so I, I do got to ask you if you have an interesting Avalanche story, maybe maybe tucked away that you're willing to tell. Uh, I have a few, and I'm willing to tell them a little bit more than I used to. I always, always, uh, I guess, similar to the Broncos linemen where they couldn't talk for years, and I feel a little bit free now to um, share some of my stories and share some of my experiences, some good, some bad. Um, but it's fun to look back on some of these things. And I think, AJ, you want to talk about offer sheets. I guess my best avalanche story is regarding an offer sheet. Um, and um, the Ryan O'Reilly deal. So, is that something you wanted to breach now, or is that a third period thing? No, we can we can get right into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, offer sheets are a huge thing, and, and we were going to talk about Montreal recent uh, shenanigans or Carolina's shenanigans. But Ryan O'Reilly was, and how this is how much respect I have for Pierre, and how we've it's come full circle. Was Ryan O'Reilly was a great player. And I think it was a huge part of the Colorado Avalanche. And for some reason, they just wanted, they thought their value was more than what the Avalanche were giving. Right, wrong, either side, doesn't really matter at this point. I think Ryan O'Reilly has proved himself to be a great player and a great leader. Um, but that whole offer sheet and uh, what was going on behind the scenes and, and things like that were just uh, phenomenal. And Pierre was kind of in and out of that time. Um, he was president, he was overseeing Greg Sherman, um, and there's a lot of things up in the air. And Pierre was advising um, the staff and the group, Eric and I included, um, and said, basically, once they couldn't agree to terms, uh, to basically trade him within 24 hours. There's no reason to wait. This is Pierre at his best, right? He understood, he saw visions, he, he understood the team, he understood the dynamics. And he thought that if they couldn't come to terms, it came to a point where they needed to trade Ryan O'Reilly as soon as possible. Well, fast forward four or five months later, Ryan O'Reilly is still a part of the Colorado Avalanche and uh, we were unable to make that happen. 
Um, and there was a lot of trades that were mentioned. And I remember Eric and I were sitting down in the locker room and we're trying to come up with trades for Ryan O'Reilly. And we wrote down every team. We had, you know, A to Z, right? Arizona, maybe if Arizona was a P then, but who knows? It just happened. And one of the trades that we put down was Tyler Sagan for the Boston Bruins. And we both were like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, center, center. Sagan was an upcoming star. He had his problems in Boston. Um, and we suggested it. And it was said, hey, hey, what about Taylor Sagan? And, and the people above us, not Pierre, uh, looked at it and said, there's no way Boston traded Tyler Sagan. Well, they did. They wanted to. And knowing uh, some friends with the Boston Bruins, that they would have loved Ryan O'Reilly on that Boston team. And Ryan O'Reilly would have been a great fit for the Boston environment. And that team, right? That city, that what that that team. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's a hard worker, right? And Boston wants that thing. So, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, and then the offer sheet came. Well, the offer sheet came after agreed trade between the Colorado Avalanche and the Calgary Flames. Uh, Greg Sherman and I think uh, Jay Feaster agreed on a trade that day for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, it was a handshake. It was um, Sven Barchi in a first, and come about it when he jay feaster went back to you know, i could be wrong if it, jay feaster i apologize for saying it but i think it was him and uh, he went back to management and went back to his ownership and the ownership said no we're not going to give up at first and we're not going to give up sven barchi i want these players i want these assets but i will give up the assets on the offer sheet so instead of the trade going through they send over an offer sheet which ryan o'reilly signed obviously we knew we were going to sign it no matter what it was not a question but what happened to it was no one knew about these these roundabout rules because it was a lockout and why Ryan O'Reilly had to go through waivers. Well, if anybody knew correctly, like this whole story and this whole kind of circus is like if we knew and if we happened to be first on the waiver, which we were like second or third on the waiver wire, like if someone would have thought, hey, we can actually get the assets and then get him Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> Get, get this first and spend and then pick them up on waivers, right? Would have been an all-time classic worst move in hockey ever, which <laughs> it almost was. But <laughs> it would have been classic to know if everyone – but it happened so quickly that no one had the time and it was this uncertain time of the lockout and players going through waivers if they played in Europe that first half of the season. It was just an unreal time. Um and uh, just an interesting story of how it all played out and uh, the big ifs and what ifs and uh, of what happens in, in, in sports that sometimes things just don't go through and maybe it's better off and uh, things that are really close that just what if it's it was a good time. That was the top 10 pick too. That was the Sean Monahan pick. Yeah, it was. And so you can kind of maybe the ownership wanted, you know, Though knowing that that's what they're going to get and the offer sheet was a little bit better or worse, whatever their thought was, that's just how it played out. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's a roller coaster. One step away from either Tyler Sagan or possibly Sean Monahan for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, what a different I, world that could have been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a that's a great piece for our the, the what if. Yeah, because, exactly. I mean... Sven Berchi in a first is not a, an amazing, knowing how Berchi's right, career has right. turned out yeah. right. would not be and, like an amazing return, but it would depend on where that draft pick ended up. Right. And and obviously hindsight is 2020, so you can go either yeah. route. Just, there was a lot of, and Pierre's vision on that 24 hours, knowing his experience on how to do trades um, and the whole Patrick Watt trade is, is phenomenal. Um, and just, we had that 24 hours. We probably had our best offers on the table or verbal offers. There's verbal offers every day between general managers. Like say, Hey, what do you think about Tyson Yost or uh, whatever? You know, it just happens every day. And these trades are not usually happen within a day. It's usually built up over a month or two or weeks. Um, but our first initial contacts or conversations with teams in that first 24 hours were probably our best opportunity, which Pierre knew. And uh, he was right. On the money. He tended to be, it seemed. So. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Tyler Sagan thing's a deep yeah, cut because yeah. that's a big time like it would have made a lot of sense just just like personality wise O'Reilly going to Boston. Yeah. Uh, Sagan coming to Colorado right when they got Nathan McKinnon and they had they already had Paul Stasny and Matt Duchesne. I mean, you put <sighs> if you could put Sagan anywhere near Paul Stasny, that dude's like a easy forty goal scorer, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I, I say Tyler Sagan, and, and knowing that that's probably it, it was a strong possibility that Boston wouldn't entertain that. Maybe there was more to that package. Sure, um, sure. But I know people and scouts and management with the Boston Bruins who were in love with Ryan O'Reilly, and rightfully so. Um, and for the Colorado Avalanche, would have. Just to brush it off as Tyler Sagan is not going to be traded was an incorrect uh, attitude. And just uh, ask Dallas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, it, it worked out okay for Boston moving him. So, yeah, they did. And uh, it's uh, he's been a great player. He obviously has his reputation. And uh, but you need personalities like that, you know, for sure. Oh, yeah. More fun in hockey. I'm all for it. Yep. So you've been uh, sticking sticking with the offer sheets. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you. I saw I saw you threw out a tweet uh, in the last couple of days that you think Carolina has gone about this whole Kotkaniemi thing in a disrespectful manner. I'm 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 curious. I'd love to I'd love to dig into that a little bit more and touch on why you think that. The because we like we've had a lot of fun on the show. We thought, well, this pettiness is great. These teams hate each other. This is this is good for the sport for people to not be so buddy buddy all the time, and yeah. it, and to really let that competitor side show. And I think it's I think it's interesting that that you were especially keyed in on the twenty dollars signing <laughs> bonus, and that you were you were not you were not such a big fan. Yeah, and I think I was personally involved, you know, in the in in Montreal and the time of let's say Cockney let's change that to KK. It's just not so much easier for me to sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I I know they're thinking around drafting him. Uh obviously very, very high, uh third overall. Um and so I know they're thinking behind it, and I know they're thinking behind what started it all in the in the offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo. Um, and I think it, the offer sheet is always this, it wasn't done for five, 10 years because people were scared. People were scared of what other teams would do. And this is an example of it, of do I place an offer sheet? Uh, I don't want to piss anybody off. I love the offer sheet. It's, it's a great opportunity. I mean, and, and Colorado Avalanche are a great sign of it. Joe Sackick signed an offer sheet with the New York Rangers. Uh, people still love Joe Sackick and it worked out. And the story behind all that is interesting too, that that money came from why the New York Rangers did that offer sheet and thinking that they could do it is because of cash. And very similar to, uh, I mean, the Rangers made an offer that was heavily front loaded, thinking that the lower end Colorado Avalanche couldn't match. And it just turned out that the whole thing was found out through uh, a, a successful movie of Air Force One, right? Thank uh, you, Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, Harrison Ford made it come through for Joe Sackett to stay. Um, but when the app, when the Habs or I or we, not I, I would just say that they Hapitons made an offer sheet to Aho. It was done in a way that thinking that Carolina couldn't afford not only the average salary, but the money that was involved, the money that the the contract that was given to Aho was cash on July 1st. 14 million front loaded or yeah. something, wasn't and it? That, yeah. That was the strategy behind it, not the average salary. It was just the money that we, or I was sorry, Mark Bergevin uh, thought. I keep on saying we because I feel like I, I spent so long there, but um, that Carolina couldn't just couldn't handle. Um, so in paybacks, they, they wanted Aho, a great player, uh, and return, they, they wanted KK. Uh, and this was their payback. Even though they wanted KK, they made it. They made it to a point where Montreal couldn't match on the average. Montreal has all the money in the world. It's not. It's just a matter of is KK worth six point one or six point two? And it's not this year. It's next year and the following years that this offer sheet has the backing of. Um, 
I'm a little bit old school and a little bit new school. So I understand the little, the FU and the signing bonus of $20. Um, I wasn't happy with it. I just think it was, is is personal. Uh, and I don't think that's a way to run a team. I think Mark Barjan made the offer for AHO in a, a professional manner and Carolina responded in a, in a kind of an FU to one of the greatest organizations in the world. Right. Um, with $20 signing bonus. And I would, I don't agree with KK signing it. And I think that KK should have been the bigger person and say, Hey, cause he burned some bridges. I think, I don't think Montreal was happy, uh, with them, him signing the $20 signing bonus. Um, which if fans don't know, obviously it was $20 as a sign of the number that Sebastian Aho wears is number 20. Um, and I just think in all levels, it could have been done differently. And I know they tried to trade for KK in the, in the recent weeks before that offer sheet. Um, maybe they were just fed up with it, but overall I just kind of found it a little tacky. So from, from your perspective, you don't think KK should have signed it with the $20 signing bonus? Yeah, I think he, he it was it was personal at that point. I think he sure. his agent too and and if we're getting into the agent business and the management business, I would have advised our client not to sign that $20 because Montreal did no wrong in in given drafting KK third overall and um signing the $20 signing bonus was he had the right to say no. Like, hey, give me a, a legit signing bonus. Give me whatever it may be, but that's kind of disrespectful for the club that drafted me and gave me, you know, playing position at 18 years old. And uh, us as a, me as a management and an advisor, I would have said, nah, don't go that route. From his perspective, was there, was, was there any reason for him to feel slighted by the organization or like he was like, it is, it is interesting and not something I'd really thought about until you brought this up, but it is interesting. He was so willing to make himself like, a pawn in this little game of yeah. back and forth fu between these organizations yeah like getting paid is one thing but it's the yeah. 20 dollars signing bonus where he exactly. was totally fine with like adding that in and he could have easily just said can i just take the 6.1 million <laughs> yeah i think he could have got took the higher route and i think if he would have told carolina hey i'll i'll sign this offer sheet but can we get rid of this signing bonus or make it a dollar or whatever it may be and but the 20 is just kind of over the top i think he had that choice and so maybe he felt slighted by the 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 team by being benched in the playoffs i don't know i haven't been there in in the last two or three years to know the inside story of what he felt and what he was how he's being treated uh he was benched on and off throughout the year uh first game of the playoffs he didn't he didn't make it in the lineup so maybe he felt like he he wasn't given an opportunity but 6.1 million dollars for him at this point is a lot of money um, and Carolina knew it, um, and pretty sure that uh, the, the Habs knew that Dvorak was available. Um, and speaking from my history with uh, with the Habs and scouting the Western Conference, I was a huge fan of Dvorak. And going back on watching him for five, six years, um, I don't have my reports for Montreal. I did a report every game of every game I've watched. I don't have access to him but Montreal has access to my reports five, six years ago, and I was always a big fan of Dvorak. There's always a, I don't even know if I'd call it a backup plan, but a, another option. Once I you... don't think Montreal would have done a passed on uh, KK without knowing that Dvorak was available and the deal was done. Um, and I think that all plays into the fact that it took them the full week 10 days, whatever it may be to make that decision. Uh, and I, they knew it was there. Yeah. I, I certainly agree with you. I don't think Carolina made any friends as far as general managers in the league based on this move. So maybe not the best decision from that point, but from a entertainment standpoint, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just worry about Carolina. Like uh, KK is going to be a great player. It's just a matter of what level he's at. Right. Like he's just, He's a very intelligent player, and I think that's what teams have been winning off of last, in the last couple of years is intelligence, um, just playing smart. I think why Montreal made it to the finals last year was just a very, very smart team. And Ryan O'Reilly winning the Cup in St. Louis, he's a, one of the smartest players I've ever seen. Um, so KK is that player. He's that type of player, a very intelligent. Um, how many he's going to score, I'm not sure. 
Uh, he's always going to be in that 15, 20 range um, at his best. And then always to be how many assists he gets on top of that. Is he a 50 point guy? Is he a 60 point guy? Those things are to be, to, to be seen or do you appear DBT, DBD. Yeah. Determined. Do you, do you think that him in Carolina, like where they have a number of centers right now already in place, like veteran established guys sitting in front of him, is that, is that even a situation that's going to allow him to, to reach his full potential? Well, I think, yeah, I think it gives him a comfortable level. I mean, it's not easy to play in Montreal. Um, it's a special environment. Uh, you need special players that fit that role, and maybe he'll be better in Carolina where it's not as hockey-heavy, um, a lot more football and basketball going on there. Um, I never thought Duchesne was a good fit in Montreal, uh, and I have always said in my reports that Duchesne's a great player or could be a great player, but he was never going to be successful in Montreal because of the the level of scrutiny, um, the level of um, just intense atmosphere, and, and maybe KK struggled with that. I, obviously, at 18 years old, right? It's That was a couple years ago, and so young and so hard to play in that type of environment. So maybe Carolina's better, where he has some some other fins. Um, he has Aho. He has, you know, a better environment, and maybe he learns off those those veteran centers. But Montreal had that, too. Montreal had Stahl last year, and, um, and – uh, Corey Perry, you know, like those veteran leaders where every team has them. Uh, it's just a matter of fit. And a lot of times it's down to communication and language sometimes. All right. guess that is a good time to get into some other language here. Um, I don't know. if I, uh, <laughs> Is it safe to say that a lot of Pierre Lacroix's trades were truly perfectly manscaped. Are you uh, sponsored by Manscaped? Is that <laughs> we are. We are indeed sponsored by Manscaped. That's, that's great. This is, this great. is a bit. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't even know that. Didn't it? That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> we got there. Head on over to Manscaped. Use code DNVR20 to get 20% off. Get the perfect package 4.0. They got their lawnmower trimmer. They got a bunch of products, not just below the belt, but things like breath mints, deodorant, face shavers. Whatever you need, they will take care of you when it comes to manicuring your entire body. So jump on it. Get Manscaped today. Uh, yeah, make sure you use the DNVR code. Uh, also brought to you all by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Right now, you still have a little bit of time to get in on their no-brainer bet. You don't even need to be a new account for this one. If you have an account with them, you can go bet on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All they have to do is lose by less than 74 points, and you get to double your money. So DraftKings is basically giving you free money. Just Go put down a bet for Tampa to cover 73. It uh, shouldn't be too hard for them to accomplish that. Of course, they have a bunch of other bets as well. If you use the DNBR code when you sign up for a new account, bet on any week one football game, and you get $200 in free bets deposited instantly. So you can jump on that one as well. Get a bunch of money to play around with. Again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. If you're a new account, use the DNBR code when you sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Uh, NFL, not NHL. Wrong sport, my bad. And, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Scott Masters with us here, talking uh, talking some hockey, getting into some interesting <laughs> stories, offer sheets and the like. What? So you've you've been part of front offices and scouting for for a couple of teams around the NHL. Uh, obviously, you're you're a Denver boy, but which which organization was your favorite? Can I make you pick a favorite? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yes, but I'll probably take the easy way out and say all of them are unique. Uh, I worked for four teams, um, six organizations to say four teams were Florida Panthers, St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the other two organizations were University of Denver and USA Hockey um, over the course of 20, 21 years. 
they're all different. I would say the biggest honor was Montreal just because of their history and, and to be, uh, to be, have that title as a pro scout and have that, um, just been given the honor to be that, uh, is, is fantastic. Yeah. I, there's not a lot of people in the world that can say they were a scout for the Montreal Canadiens, one of the best organizations in the world. Um, but I learned from everyone, all of these different general managers, the Doug Armstrongs, the Mark Bergevans, the Joe Sackicks, um, the Rick Dudleys, um, and great hockey coaches and, and Mike Keenan, you know, and Ken Hitchcock. And I worked with Jared Dunnar in, in St. Louis when he was a minor league coach in Peoria. Um, Ray Bennett, who is, you know, I've worked with Ray for seven, eight years in St. Louis. Um, I've learned from all these, these people and these organizations. Uh, if I was going to pick one, I would probably, which is a little bit torn because I was super, super happy and excited to become a part of the Colorado Avalanche. And that's another funny story. If you, if you want me to be personal and, and if you want to tell it, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was a huge, I, I played hockey starting at four or five, my brother played. And so I was a huge hockey fan. And at that time there was no team here, right? Like I'm, I'm old enough to say that. I knew the Colorado Rockies as a team on, on ice and not green. Right. <clears throat> and I knew my first dog's name was Chico after Chico rush. Uh, so that's how I, I know hockey and they left for New Jersey and he, uh, so I, we had to do pay-per-view. It's very simple. It's very ironic that teams, people would watch their home team or watch other hockey on pay-per-view, but that's what Avalanche fans are doing now with the stupid Cronky shit. Oh, sorry about that. Um, but it's, I, I, I just grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan and they won in the cup in 87 was, uh, awesome. Patrick Wall took over the series. Um, I just became a Habs fan. I became a Patrick Wall fan. 93, they won a cup again. Then 96 comes around and Quebec Nordiques moved to Colorado. Are you serious? This is great. I'm looking at the roster. Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackicks. This is fantastic. Oh, they trade for Patrick Wall in the middle of the year. This is unreal. Now my two favorite players are Joe Sackick and Patrick Wall, and they're playing right in front of me. Oh, and they win a cup. This is great. You know, like all these things come true as a Denver native and as a Denver fan and huge Avalanche fan. Well, 20 years later, fast forward, who am I working for? Joe Sackick. I'm on the golf course. I take a dream. I come, I leave St. Louis, which is a great job to, to work for the Avalanche. It's a dream come true. I moved my family. Um, and I'm on the golf course and, and things don't work out that year. So we had a short season and uh, Joe Sackett, Joe Sacco, my boss or uh, my partial boss and Greg Sherman kind of got released and I'm sitting on the golf course, not knowing what I'm going to do. I look on Twitter and my idol, Patrick Waugh, fires me on Twitter. Like not directly saying, hey, Scott Masters, you're fired. But it was the fact that I'm with, I'm like looking at it and be like, Oh, he just hired, wait, this is, this is my job. What? I don't get it. And so I went into the office next day and I talked to Joe and Joe being so awesome. He's like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what's going on yet with this staff, but you can kind of stick around and wait and uh, you can talk to Patrick later. Well, I'm still waiting to talk to Patrick later. It's, it's <laughs> I have not yet to, I have not yet to meet Patrick Law, my idol. Um, and soon after that, I, I found uh, a job with Montreal Canadiens full circle, right? Canadians, Patrick Wall. Yeah. Uh, let's say that my avalanche Patrick Wall jersey is not hanging up right now. Can't imagine why that would be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. I... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sports and it, it happens. That's it's certain uh, uh, it's... I I yeah, par for the course for for Wall's relationship with the Avalanche these days as far as the uh the front office is concerned, I suppose, but <laughs> Um, I, the yeah, I don't. I I think the the world kind of found out he was leaving the abs via his Twitter too <laughs> when he finally left. So yeah, that was I a think, hectic yeah, day. Yeah, I, I think you can gain. I think you can ask. I once you can get Eric on on your show, and I, I think you can get that done. I think he can tell a lot of stories about uh, Patrick Law and Pierre's relationship and how that all trade went down. It's it's phenomenal on how Pierre got that done. Um, and how long that trade was actually in the works. 
All right. That sounds interesting for sure. Um, yeah, that's so that's six organizations. That's a that's quite a few. Yeah, it is. And, and it's been a great privilege in over 20 years. Right. And uh, great experience at University of Denver coming back after two national titles. And I think I brought them down right by joining them and they couldn't do a three peat. Um, <laughs> Uh, and George Gwajdzeki, a great coach and still a great coach locally. And we're going to uh, rely on him for a lot of uh, advice on, and he's coaching high school hockey and here in Denver and he's giving back to the community. And uh, just another example of the of great people that I've learned, uh, learned from. So <clears throat> to, to make a not incredibly graceful transition, but <laughs> Uh, I do, I do want to, uh, yeah, I do, (laughs) I do want to touch a little bit on, uh, kind of your thoughts on where the abs are today specifically. And this is not like an ax to grind or anything. I'm just kind of curious on your perspective because the abs went out and got a guy like Curtis McDermott and it's been sold as he's going to play forward. He's going to play defense. He's a great locker room guy. And from for, from the perspective of somebody that writes up a lot of scouting reports the last few years, has watched a lot of Western Conference hockey especially, um, what, is, what is the real thinking behind going and getting a guy that is a, a main selling point is great in the locker room? I By having me on, I, I, I don't shy away from telling what I feel and what I think where the avalanche are. I'm not in any means uh, during the playoffs last year, I kind of vocally and, and publicly said that I didn't think they had enough in the tank, which I got a lot of flack for uh, on social media. Um, it was just being honest. Uh, I think the fact that you're talking about Curtis McDermott as a main piece of their free agents summer is not a good sign. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really, really easy to look at their entire summer and say they took a step back, they lost way more talent than they brought in. Yeah. And, like, all of that, I think, is – it's not debatable. It's not something um, – it's it's pretty – it's it's really just accepted. Like, it, that that's just reality. Way more talent left the building than came in. Yeah. But I'm specifically curious about a guy like McDermott just because it is sold to – everybody has this is a locker room he's he's great in the room but it just it's like okay well when you look at him on the ice he's not any good he hasn't been any good in the nhl in a in 100 games played he just hasn't been a quality player so he's great in the room but when you actually put him on the ice to play the game in which he's paid to play he's not very good so how is this how is this a, a, a actually helpful for a team with their kind of aspirations. Yeah, I think what they were missing last year was was depth and toughness um, and addressing the toughness issue with his McDermott, right? But I think it, he, if everything goes right for the Avalanche, McDermott doesn't play in the playoffs, right? He's just not there. And that's where I think the Avalanche won the President's Trophy, right? Great. Um, maybe if McDermott's on that team last year, they still win the President's Trophy. Um, but does he play in the playoffs? Probably not. Um, same with this year. Avalanche are going to be a top-ranked team. Uh, McDermott's going to be a part of it. He's going to be a depth guy. Uh, does it put him over the top in the playoffs? Does he make a difference? I'm going to say no. Um, he's a great guy, right? Like, there's nothing against him. But if Curtis McDermott is playing on defense or he's playing as a forward, especially in the playoffs, you're probably not as deep as you want to. Um, and when as being in an NHL locker room for say over a thousand games of pregame talk, post-game talk, uh, coaches speak and players listening and players talk and, and having the ability to listen to the, the Billy Garens, the Doug Waits, the Keith, the Chucks, um, even the Gabe Laniscogs in the locker room, right? Curtis McDermott's not going to have a say in that locker room if he's not on the ice. And that's kind of the way it is. Uh, he can, if that if players just become depth and if he's not playing in the playoffs then his, his voice is going to be minimized. So they traded a fourth round pick for a guy whose voice isn't going to matter. And if he's, if he is on the ice, 
it's not a positive. Well, it depends on your your opinion of Curtis McDermott, right? Like, um, I think that price is a little high for him, especially if he if you don't know what he is, um, if he's meaning forward or defenseman. Uh, I've and I've seen this this kid when he was a kid. Now he's obviously a huge grown man, right? You know, he's always a big kid. But I remember seeing him in 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 Ontario. Los Angeles, an area where he played for the minor league team, and he destroyed people. Like he would hurt people, um, and I remember people being uh, taken out of games because of the way he played. And I remember him being kicked out of games because of the way he played. Um, and so he definitely brings an element that maybe the Avalanche don't have, and you have to add that piece to whatever it cost may be. Every organization has to weigh those options. Where okay this is going to cost us a fourth round pick. Is it worth it? Uh, what else do we have? What other options do we have? Um, and so they thought the fourth round pick was justified. I think it's a little heavy um, being what he is, but he's regardless, he's a, he's a pro. Okay. <laughs> so you don't, you don't like it's... my answer, AJ? No, no, it's, I'm just more, um, um, I don't, and again, I don't want it to feel like I'm trying to trying to grind an axe here with McDermott stuff because he is a depth guy and a yeah. guy that just may not play very much for them. I'm just I was just trying to get some sort of insight on. Uh, he's good in the locker room. He's physical. He adds toughness. But if he's not actually on the ice, he doesn't yeah. do any of that. And then it's like, okay, well, he's good in the locker room. Um, you but, know, just yeah. just some some you know some some insight from because from outside from my seat. When I look at his career and I just look at his on-ice results and what's happened with him on the ice, you know, it's really easy for a guy like me to be like, this is stupid. He's not any good. This is a dumb thing to do. Well, look at it this way. Maybe this will change your opinion on it, is that teams have a full season to play, and you can't accept, uh, think that McCarr is going to play 25, 30 minutes a game and then ask, you know, the other people, which like was Trevor Timmons last year or the Bo Byrons to play that much is because they're going to be worn out in the playoffs, right? So you have to be, you have to have players, you have sure. to have backups. And, and, and so he's a great player. I totally agree with what you're saying is that it was the fourth round pick worth it if he's not going to play in the playoffs. You may have to just look at as as a whole pitcher as uh, he's going to take some of those minutes, those hard minutes, uh, away from other players that may feel like they have to stand up for uh, other players. And so during the regular season, therefore making them a little bit more healthy and a little bit more energized for the playoffs. So look at it as uh, it's a investment. Yeah. yeah, it's like an investment in the postseason where he's a. Uh, he plays during the regular season. He he's, keeps, he he's keeps them a, a little fresher. Yeah. I mean, it, again, if he plays in the playoffs, I, you question their depth, and which I still question that line's depth and defensive depth is one of the third pairing. Uh, yeah, you get to their seventh D, and it gets thin real quick down there for sure. Yeah. yeah the the drop-off beyond Brian Murray and Eric Johnson well, and Byram is yeah. real fast. And, and especially, you know, you don't expect McCarr to play 25 minutes a night with Eric Johnson and Ryan Murray. You're hoping for them to be healthy for half the season, maybe even. Yeah. So it gets, it gets tough, but. And that's where he comes in. That's where right. his value comes yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. Maybe you do overpay for that type of player, knowing that he's, he's going to be good off the ice and he's good once again in the locker room and he's not high maintenance. Right. So, Maybe you pay another round for that type of character um, and given, you know, overall what he brings. I do know, I think, you know, not being in the locker room last year, it's a lot harder for me to say. But I do know that in previous years when I was in there every day and you were around the team, a guy like Mark Barbario as your seventh defenseman, a hardworking guy who was really, really well liked by his teammates. And had a great attitude, was really was really positive every day, and brought you know a really just a good mentality. I think helped them, uh, you know, just as a he was he loved being at the office, he loved playing the game. Teams really liked that guy, and as a seventh defenseman, it was 
his value wasn't so much on the ice as it was his teammates really liked him. If, if McDermott can kind of replace that specific role, I can see where it helps them. Again, not being in the locker room last year, it's hard for me to say what it was like with some of their depth guys. I don't, I just don't know. I can't speak on it, but I do know that if I look back at it, like Barb's, he was really well liked and the players really liked him and he had a great attitude and the coaching staff loved him for that. And he was very comfortable in that specific role. And, and that's, yeah, that's important that, that players like Barb's and, and, um, say Curtis McDermott where it's easy or for the coaching staff to to manage right you don't want to bring in a seventh or eighth guy that has an attitude that thinks he he deserves you know the fifth or sixth and I I remember Tyson Berry had that problem uh young at his young age and Tyson Berry is obviously a completely different player but yeah he was I wouldn't say difficult at the time but he was he needed to be managed he needed to if he was scratched that night this is obviously really early on in his in his career was that he needed to be massaged in a certain way and, and talked about like hey but you're okay uh he was frustrated he was mad that weighs on people to his neighbor to the right his neighbor to the left his negative attitude is slumping right you want curtis mcdermott to be like yeah i'm the seventh defenseman i'm not playing tonight you know you know pat the guys on the ass and go play and, and i support you and so that, i think that plays a factor in how valuable they are it's easy to forget sometimes all these all these players are people at the end of the day they're not robots out there yeah yeah they all have their strengths and weaknesses and a lot of the times and i think aj and i can have another conversation about mental health and how it affects and and how people come across in their everyday world And, and pro athletes have a hard time mentally um just knowing who they are and and what they are on the ice and off the ice and what they bring um and they struggle with it like everyone else does and it's a very very tough sport physically and mentally i would say that for those for those fringe guys too it's hellacious the the constant threat of going up or down to the minors and the guys that do go up and down constantly that's really really difficult for guys because it's hard to it's hard to get comfortable it's hard to be in a rhythm you're chasing a dream that you're this close to achieving full-time but you're never really quite there you're never really comfortable in your own skin enough to feel like i've made it and i'm there um so i think from that from that kind of perspective i can understand where the team's interest in a guy like mcdermott would make a lot of sense with his reputation as being very very well liked by teammates and why some of them would be excited to play with him, even though they may not actually play with him very much, actually yeah. like in-game. And one of those strong backup positions would be the goaltender, right? You want a goaltender that is, is knows his role, knows his position, is yeah. hungry and loves to play. Um, we know Patrick Law wouldn't be a great backup goalie, right? In the, it's just Martin Brodeur wouldn't be a great backup goaltender. It's just it's just the way they are, their makeup is and what they expect. Uh, not that Curtis McDermott doesn't expect and um, that that he's not great. I mean, it's not that. But I think every person every person is fit for the roles or should. And what that's what makes a good pro is knowing who they are, what they bring to the team, and team player and team aspects. Okay. Um. Are you good, AJ? Yeah, I have to go buy a new phone. All right, there we go. We gotta we gotta wrap stuff up. So Scott, if you wanna take the floor, tell people where they can find you. Anything else you wanna mention that you're working on, Lacroix hockey, yeah, all that stuff. I appreciate the opportunity and then hopefully we can do it again. And we have a like I said, a lot of things, great things coming up. We hope to to have some, you know, create some some podcasts ourselves where we have these great old alumni for the Avalanche and um, try to get some some Avalanche some players in there and and just talk about hockey and, and the community and what's going on and um, just so many great things that we're looking forward to and lacroixhockey.com is where we're at right now um, and there's some information that at least you can contact us on you know Twitter or, um, phone or whatever it may be like we'll get in touch and we're just trying to talk to as many people as we can if parents have questions if kids have questions we're going to pick up the phone um, and, and talk to kids and, and to have resources like Eric Lacroix and all the connections that he has is, is, is fun and it's exciting times. 
All right. Awesome. I guess that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Thank you, everyone, watching, listening, however you consume the pod. Thank you again, Scott, for coming on. It was a great time hearing some of those stories. Really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I'm not sure what we're talking about tomorrow, but you can find us same place, same time, 1.30 p.m. Mountain. Until then, chat, we will talk to you all later. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.